And we're live. And someone's already hitting the wine. All right. I don't know what you're talking about. It's water, right? It's just fermented water. All it's right. Juice. Juice. Oh, I can't ferment water. Sure, you can. Science yes, and stuff. You failed at chemistry. I forgot. And look, I managed to D proudly. So you hush. Hey, are you shush? Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place where we put the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, Miss Isabel Hardesty, can you introduce yourself to our hey. listeners and viewers? Hey, everybody. I'm Isabel Hardesty. I'm an author. I write fantasy, young adult fantasy. Um, I have currently four books on Amazon and different platforms. Um, I have a series called the Delacorte Shapeshifter series, and that actually was inspired by Dragon Con. I'll tell you about it a little bit more. And um, yeah, there are three books in that. And uh, my main book that I'm working on, working on book number two, is Midnight and Belfleur. I'm working on that, but The Witch of Belfleur is book one. And that's about a telenovela actress who turns into a witch. Ooh. That sounds very New Orleans with the way with the naming. Oh yeah, it's based in South Florida, but yeah, I kind of did a little nod to that. Yeah, little New Orleans I like nod. I like it. And so uh, the next part of the introduction, dear listener, as you know, is how we first found them. So this is another one of those episodes where Doc said, "Be here, I will cut you." So I am here. But Doc, where did you meet her? Was it a bar? Was it Dragon Con? Since she's mentioned she went. I think it was actually through Mel Todd posting somewhere that she did this and um, and she emailed us and I said, oh, your book sounds so cool. Let's do it. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, I was at Dragon Con the first time as an author last year and it was fabulous. And I missed um, I, Wait, I might have had you. Oh, I was so busy. I don't know. I right. think we were both busy. And last year it was just so nice to be in person. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, well, yes. Early. And Katie Cross too. Um, oh yes, Katie yes. Said was she was like you have to check out she's Isabel. Fabulous. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You, you did an interview with Katie. I remember that now. Yes, yeah, she's amazing. She's yes. awesome. So that's how I'm here. And thanks for having me. One Yay. day we will be as good as Katie. She does it all. She manages that she's huge amazing. company and makes her own audiobooks. And, and doesn't I, I don't even like kids, my which own is even more or husband, which is even more impressive. <laughs> right. Right. She's a, she's a superhero. She is. All right, Doc. You got to ask her the religion questions, and if she gets it wrong, I've got the uh, the boot button. So we're not going to boot her. You might. Well, my answer before you ask me is uh, live long and prosper. Yes, Star Trek all the way. It's not an option. Okay. Uh, I love her. Okay, who's your favorite captain? (sighs) Captain Cisco, probably. I knew I loved you. That's my favorite too. So if I'm going to just get looped in like, just like endlessly going through space, I want him to be my captain. You didn't, I thought we would have thought maybe Janeway because she was pretty awesome too. Although she She's did, pretty awesome too. She did like just drive in circles and let herself she, get constantly side-quested. Cisco had to deal with so many things that like nobody else ever had to deal with. And I like there's that, something about the baseball on his desk and like- yeah. The New Orleans thing about like what is it the making food. the shrimp gumbo? Oh the the stories. I'm just pain. like, tell me a story, Papa. You know, just like <laughs> so relaxing. No, so, I, I truly love it. Like he's really the one where you're like, 
of all the captains in Star Trek, you know exactly where on Earth he is from. Yeah, you like, know where he stands. Cool, but he he drinks English tea and then right, does Earl wine and okay, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like. Sesco is, you know where he's from. He's amazing. And I did see him at Dragon Con and I bought one of his oh. CDs. He's, 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 he, I was sitting there in the audience. My husband was right next. I was just crying. I was just oh, like, yeah. I was just oh. in tears. He was just he's like, a musician? Um, it was, um, I think, spoken word. So he okay. said, like, on stage at Dragon Con, he says, people say they like my voice. He goes, and my, my voice is my father's voice. And I was just like, tears. And he goes, people ask me why I do what I do. And he, and he looked at everybody. He goes, like, I do it for you. So, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. He's my favorite. He is my child's favorite. <sighs> my child at, like, 18 months would come running in when he heard the opening chords of Space Time. That's so nice. And he I will just, watch anything with Cisco in it. Yeah. I just like Captain to put Picard in his place. In that opening of the series, that was. But that's, yeah. that, that's why he's so amazing. Is he's yeah. like Here's the line? No. All right, yeah. so Doc, you gotta ask the next one. See if she so, gets this one right with you too. Uh, I'm pretty sure she will. Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, or the Wheel of Time. Uh, Lord of the Rings for me. Outstanding. Okay, so, how do you feel about the new show? I have not seen it. I've been busy being a mom and <laughs> writing. Four yeah. and a half year old child son. So oh no, just busy. So, just a little oh, busy. So much time. I, I see it the, gets the better ish. I've seen the just commercial uh-huh. for the. Uh, I've seen the commercial for the new uh, uh, Lord of the Rings stuff. If you take it as a generic sci-fi, it looked really interesting. I'd watch it, but it doesn't appear that it's stuck to the lore of the. Um, Lord of the Rings. I understand okay. part of that is legal reasons. They don't have the rights to all of the books. So oh, like they didn't okay. have the rights to the Samarillion, which is where he outlined the worlds. And and they changed some some pretty canon things. Mm-hmm. I, if you just acknowledge and say, hey, this isn't canon and you know, we just thought this actress was the best. Right. One, I, I generally will go with it. But when you try to pretend, no, this is what he really meant, even though he didn't know he meant well, it. Right. They, they, they should be upfront about it. The diehards and mm-hmm. the people who are willing to watch a show and say, yeah. okay, you had to update things because mm-hmm. you know what? Um, like like Heinlein. People look at Heinlein's work and they're like, wow, it's so backwards. Mm-hmm. But at the time that he was writing it, mm-hmm. it was very avant-garde. So sometimes as fans, we just need to be willing to accept the fact that yeah, updated to fit the cultural yeah. world. True. And and just kind of like just don't be ease, so uptight. Yeah, ease into Sometimes it. people are way too uptight. Yeah. And, uh, uh, may I bring up Dune? Yeah, oh, Dune is amazing. I love Dune. I loved the original Dune, uh, the book. Yeah. So Dune is a really amazing one. And it is definitely that space. I think that's really the first big book property that is definitely space fantasy. Yeah, yeah. So, because I don't care, there's no physics that could explain away the spice. So, it must be magic. Yeah, must must be. be. All right, Doc. (laughs) So, uh, as we've covered, we love both sci-fi and fantasy, but which was your first love? Growing up, it was sci-fi. Because in my house, I'm one of six kids. We would have Star Trek. Yeah, crazy. Just a little crazy, too. Um, Just a little loud in the house. Um, It would be sci-fi on Star Trek. 
was our show. Um, mainly my big brother, who's actually a former Marine. And I did nice. did tell him that he was an ex-Marine once. And he said, no, once nope. a Marine, always a Marine. So the Marine always corrected, Marine. corrected me quickly. Uh, <laughs> I never forgot that. I was like, okay. Okay. You know, for Christmas, you need to give him a box of crowns, though. Crowns? Mm-hmm. That's the running joke about modern Marines is they're the kids that were eating the crowns and paste and chemicals. Crayola ones I've been oh, totally flavored the best. I get it. I get it. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> so they even have some that released edible crowns that have calorie That's counts so on the back funny. as a joke since the meme started. That's awesome. Oh, gosh. I'll tell them <laughs> that. that. Was, in full disclosure, I got out in 07 and that was not a thing. They were not like that. The Marine crown jokes came about sometime after that. I'll have I to bring to- it up with them. You just weren't like socially aware, Jr. Because that's been known to happen too. <sighs> I mean, I dealt with the Marines a lot when I was in the uh, Anambar province. So I mean, I would, thought I would have heard about it, but maybe it was a super secret thing, and they just didn't think I was in the club. Army <laughs> and all. So, all right. So, what was your first memory of engaging in speculative fiction as a as a genre? Was it watching Star Trek at home, or was there something watching, before that? Yeah, watching Star Trek at home, and it was nice seeing Lieutenant um, Well Uhura. It was great mm-hmm. seeing her up there as a brown young woman, a black young woman. I was able to see myself a girl because I was a child, but see someone who looked like me. And that was pretty awesome. And um, yeah, it was beautiful. I loved it. I learned a lot about life um, from their small set, which seemed vast to me as a little girl. Um, and it just made me think of very esoteric concepts. And uh, I loved it. Okay, so if you had the hollow deck, would you play with it? Oh, yeah, definitely. I wouldn't you? All right, I, I would definitely try to try to play with dragons and dinosaurs if I had a. Hollow oh deck. yeah, I would be yeah. on. Yeah, I'd be flying on a dragon's back, definitely. I, At I'm least just once feeling, a week. Right, I'm th- feeling Doc would have like Pern in there somehow as one of the settings. Totally, completely. <laughs> All right. Right. What was the first sci-fi or fan, well, speculative fiction umbrella? What was the first speculative fiction book you read? Do you remember? Um, probably Dune. Wow, that's okay. a heavy book to read. So, I mean, Narnia when you were younger, or any of those? I don't think books? so. I think no, that was no. I don't. Maybe something smaller like that, <laughs> but I think I did a lot of that was viewing, and then my first big read was, um, I think. I mean. Probably Dune, but I was, uh, you know, a teenager. Okay. Dune's a pretty heavy book, even for a teenager, though. Yeah. yeah if, you, if someone ever gets out of line when you're holding it, you can just beat them with it and you oh, win. It's huge. Yeah, I think I would. And I don't think, is it, do they even have a hardback version of that? Because it's so big. I don't know if you oh, can do no. Barnes and Noble oh. comes out like at the holiday times when they come mm. out with the leather bound ones. Yeah. Like they do have one of that's nice. Like that. That's nice. Nice. I wasn't sure because sometimes the books get so big it's not a viable option. Yeah. I well, but yeah, but those are also like very thin books. Like the pages are very thin. It's like mm. that nice Bible paper thin page. Okay. <laughs> so um, you know, I think that helps balance it. Fair, fair. All right. So what is it about speculative fiction as a as a genre that you love so much? Um, I think it just opens up to possibilities. And I love how I think um, my older brother said this once science faction, so much of, you know, when we see them holding that plastic and going, Captain, I, I'm here looking at this information. And that looks so odd to us. Oopsie. You know, mm-hmm. years ago, we see that like, what are they doing now? Obviously, we're like, um, yeah, we can find that restaurant with our phones. So 
so much of what they talk about actually comes true, of course, with tech, but um, just also ideas. Battlestar Galactica, let's say, I do remember them saying at Dragon Con that I think some of the writers and producers and actors were invited by the United Nations to talk about conflict resolution as a serious mm -hmm. thing because of some of the concepts and storylines that they had and how they were able to come to amazing agreements. Okay, no, I know no, that no spoiler the, alert. No, no spoilers for people who are just starting to dump, jump in. Yeah. So the, oh, I, I, the, um, I have the Cylon head of Battlestar Galactica. So they do have they do have um, the X Prize every year that comes out, and so a lot of the people have been inspired by science fiction. They had someone actually win by inventing a tricorder. Like wow. The Star Trek Doctor had that would diagnose, like a. I mean, it wasn't as huge, right? Levelist, but it could still diagnose a lot more than you know, whatever, like that was kind of cool. The, um, that's amazing. Um, Al Cubier, uh, it's a mm -hmm. guy's name. He's, um, from Mexico, but I can't remember how to pronounce his full name and it sounds very French, but he actually invented a doc. Don't laugh at me. Um, but he, too late. Uh, he invented the formula that is for warp drive based on just being wow. such a huge star Trek fan. That he wow. figured out the math. Now you need more energy than the sun puts out in his right. lifetime to make it work, but it is mathematically possible. And he figured that out because he was such a huge Star Trek fan. I think, yeah, it definitely inspires us to um, not even raise the bar, just to like forget the idea of a bar and just go for it. Instead of saying, I'm, you know, think outside the box. There is no box. <laughs> so, he is a theoretical physicist, Miguel Alcubierre, who oh, studied wow. at Wales University, but I'm pretty sure he was uh, from Mexico. Wow. I could be wrong on that part, but and I probably butchered the name, but that's who we're talking about, people. So I did know it, even if I pronounced it wrong. Yay! Um, but uh, but yeah, I just think that's amazing how many people. <laughs> Jr. Sherlock. All right. Uh, I, I <laughs> constantly about... You said it. Therefore, it must be true. The, the, I'm constantly amazed at the number of people that are inspired by fiction of all varieties to do great and wonderful things. Yeah, because, me too. Because once somebody sitting in their basement typing on their keyboard like had an idea. And the yeah. world shifted. Like that is an amazing thing. Well, you know, for like my older brother who was in who was into Star Trek first in our family, I believe, and uh, sci-fi, he now is into robotics. So, um, yeah. So that's it, awesome. You know, yeah. You should come to DragonCon. We have a whole entire robotics trip. I know. Like last year, he and his son built a 3D printer. Well, was it two years ago? Yeah. Wow, his parenting skills are like mad I up know, here. Like, I know. I built a Lego set. Yay! <laughs> All right. While, while they were talking, I did Google it. Yes, I was right. He's from Mexico City. So oh, okay, I got, cool. I got the nationality wrong, but um, I, I'm always amazed at the number of people inspired by fiction to do to do awesome things. So I love it. It's just it's wonderful, and we you know I think that sometimes it gets forgotten to, you know it's, no one talks about certain things because they talk about everything else that's on tv well, but yeah there's a lot told not on. to talk about certain things because you like i have friends as much as i love them i know if certain things if we come up in conversation they just almost immediately get so emotionally charged yeah that science fiction is kind of nice because you can discuss it true without bringing exactly. as much the emotion into it Yes. So, Which is and, why so, so and then you can suddenly be like, you do know that that's not much different than this situation in real life. And they're like, right. Uh, right. I like that. 
I like the carpet pull out from under the rug moment with that. Mm -hmm. It's funny to watch. Yeah. You would. So how did your love of speculative fiction as a genre genre transition into you writing stories in that space? Well, um, I found myself at Dragon Con because I I love fantasy and (laughs) sci-fi. My sister, uh, Rachel, when we were living in Georgia, my husband and I, she's like, you guys should go to Dragon Con. I mean, I'm like, what's that? I've never heard of it in my life. And this was like, I think 2009 or something. And um, I, she's like, I have a friend that likes sci-fi like you guys do. You should check it out. He loves it. So my husband and I were like, okay, we'll just go. I think it was a Saturday or Friday. And we're like, whatever. We just figured it out. And we we're like, oh my God, we love it. And then we went on that Sunday because Saturday was sold out. Then we, of course, bought tickets for the next year. And uh, the only year I missed was 2017 when my son was born. But, That's um, absence. I do have to send you a picture later, JR and Doc, of my son being held by the ladies from Expanse from 2018. Oh. I mean, yeah, they're just like, ah. and his face, even though he's basically a year, he's like, you know, oh, he's got no. that look of like, yeah, yeah, no, hey. no, no. I, I had a son who at, at that age, he was already a flirt. I know yeah, he was like, he was, you know, he had exactly instead of smiling, like, hey, he's just like, hey, well, what? Look what's going on. So, um, <laughs> but so then I found myself though at the writers' workshops a lot, even though these amazing panels were going on. And my husband's like, I'm going to be here or there. And he's a writer too. And he'd sometimes be with me, but I found myself there a lot. And then um, one of the, uh, directors said we have this anthology coming out and you know I kind of looked behind myself thinking they're talking to somebody else but obviously you know I was there a lot so the premise was it had to be like shifter unicorn um fairy some of these characters that I was like I'm not gonna do that I'm not you know so then I did and then I made Jade's Awakening as a short story and then I it got in it was accepted which was cool and then I made that short story, I changed it a bit, and I made it into a novella, Jade's Awakening novella, and then Jade's Descent and Jade's Paradox. And then from there, I went into The Witch of Belfleur, which is a novel of, uh, I think, 466 pages on Amazon. Wow, nice. Yeah. yeah. You know, some of the best books and some of the most pivotal books of science fiction and of fantasy started as novellas. So, yeah, like just, Dragon's yeah. Light started as a novella. Yeah, and it had to have it had to take place at Dragon Con. Oh yeah, so, I know which mythology you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I have a copy so, of it. Yeah. So, so um, she Jade gets dropped off at Dragon Con, something like that, and and her mom says, "Honey, um, be careful, Miyamoto. Don't hurt anybody this time." And she's like, "Okay, mom." And uh, you know, things happen. She's half shifter, half half uh, fairy. So that's what I did too. I made her half and half just to make it fun. Cool. So before before Doc asks her questions, we will say that uh, if he's a writer too and he writes anything in the speculative fiction umbrella, you should send your husband. We'll do an interview of him about his books too. Oh, awesome. Thank you. I will. And and we'll tell him this is all because his wife's amazing. Awesome. (laughs) So he will never doubt us. Yes. He'll never left back. Yeah. So what real life influences do you think kind of formed who you are as a storyteller? Um. I did go to college at 19 in New York City, so I had to be a tough person. Um, I also liked to travel um, by myself in Europe. I'm just like, 
you know, this is in my twenties. So I just be out there and just travel. Sometimes I went with family, but um, mainly it was by myself. And I was just there like, I wish I had, you know, once you're there, like, I wish I had someone to talk to because I really want to say how awesome this is. But um, don't know. I just wanted to, I guess, find myself, experience life in a different setting. Mm -hmm. um, so I like that concept of coming of age and also new experiences. And of course, magic's just amazing. Not that okay. I've been a witch. Maybe I was, but anyway. But um, just like interesting things that make you go wow. And uh, gosh, watching telenovelas with my mom um, and my sisters, my family growing up in Miami, is, you know, was one of those fond memories. And a little bit in Georgia when we were living in Georgia. And uh, just nature, the South Florida uniqueness. Um, South Florida is extremely hot. Unique place in the world. Yeah. Yes. Come on. I know. I know. It's amazing, though. Um, so it starts off. The Witch of Belfort starts off with Juliet and her best friend, who's gorgeous, um, in the swamps of South Florida. And she's about to get venom to save her aunt who's dying, um, who's sick. So then they're in the swamps. She's behind him and she's looking at the sweat trailing down his neck. And it's super hot. Um, and just chapter one ends where you literally have to continue watching, you know, reading the next chapter. So back to when you talk about the way that your world travel has affected you as a storyteller, how many different countries have you been to offhand? Do you know? Um, I've been to probably not as much as you guys, but, um, I've been to, well, Mexico for a friend's wedding, which was beautiful. I've been to France, England, Italy, Amsterdam, so that's like five. That's good. Yeah, pretty I, I mean, I haven't gone much out of the country as, as an adult. So I, I yeah. started out. I cheated and I started outside of the country and just worked mm -hmm. my way. Oh, I get it. That's kind of cool to do too. So, oh, my husband and I have been to Vancouver, which is beautiful. It is, okay. I think it's like the cleanest city in the world or something. Oh, really? Oh my God. Like, it's really like, beautiful. It's beautiful. I've seen scenery of it. It's, yeah. Awesome. You've had much, many more fun adventures than JR has outside of the country. So, oh, thank you. Canada, not on purpose. Um, I've been to Iraq, Germany. Um, we might have accidentally crossed some of Iraq's borders into other countries. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we'll have to talk about that one off air. So officially, I've been to three countries. Unofficially, a little bit more. And right. not because I did anything super secret squirrel special stuff. I just had a lieutenant with a compass and he got the border wrong. And oops, oh. area, we're sorry. Well, you know, now that things are settling down soon, yay. Um, maybe there's travel in your future for both of you. Yeah, I think I want to go places where they don't want to shoot me just for being American. That's my, that's uh, my that, ambition. That should be like number one on anyone's list. I think so. that's number one on JR, why JR went though. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, there, there's something to be said when you're a young man chasing an adrenaline rush. But, I but I, my first start is I'd like to see every one of the 50 uh, states. I think that. Oh, cool. yeah. There's some beautiful states. Like, yeah. Now we live in Washington and it's beautiful. So like a couple of days ago, I was driving home and I was like, look at those mountains. I'm just driving. I'm like, oh, but I'm like looking at the mountains going, oh, my gosh, because from Florida, we don't we don't really have mountains. And my is mom, who is. I'm sorry, what? Does, is Washington pretty rainy? I've heard that about the about where you're at. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I served with the guy from I served with the guy from Washington. He said in Washington it's either raining, fixing to rain, or just got done raining. 
That was his description of the weather. I mean, it's now it's sunny, of course, because you're talking about it. It's now sunny. But, um, you're welcome. It can be rainy. And they have this thing that I only heard about like after moving here. It's called the dark, which is scary. But it's it's the dark kind of just day where you're like, and it's dark. and But it's beautiful. That's on my list of places to see. Yeah, it's gorgeous. You know, there's some epic epic things epic scenery like you know you're always taking photos sometimes yeah all right sorry to interrupt doc now it is your turn so we're going to get into some of the fan things has okay. anyone asked you for your autograph um at dragon con last year i did have one person it was my first time as an author which is exciting i hope to go there again yay yay um and i did a book reading which was fun and after i read chapter one it was great having People, one person specifically, Valet, <laughs> and uh, some other people who were just like, they wanted me to continue because I wasn't sure after reading if they were like, you know, thanks for stop reading, but you know, but they actually wanted me to keep going. That was yes. Re That's author amazing. readings are are really fun to go to, but I think they're they're really hard because you don't. There's not as much interaction with the audience, so right because you're just reading and you're like, do you like what I'm doing? And then you only know when you're finished, and they're like, ah. Uh, well, I have, I have an author friend who he will actually, he goes in with sound equipment mm. and, and people are like, stare at him and go like, what are you doing? And then he plays his audio book. Oh, that's awesome. He's like, my wife doesn't like, loves me and she hates my books when I read them that's out loud. Awesome. So I'm playing my audio book. That's kind of cool. Cause then he can play it and just walk around and kind of chit chat with people probably. So. Oh, that's another good point. I, I don't know. I, I just make fun of them because I'm not sure like that. That's actually kind of ingenious and I, I really, really like it. The cool thing is, is when you're when you're still in the writing process and you get some of your beta readers or alpha readers to read it and you're like, I don't know if this is any good. Should I start again yeah. and write another novel? And you get those, you son of a bitch. And then, you know, it gets a few explosives. Where's the rest of it already? And you're like, yeah, oh, okay, that's a good, that's, that's, yeah, <laughs> I know. It's a good feeling. And then you're like sweating because it makes you nervous, but you're like, yay, someone likes my stuff. Yeah. It, it's a hard, it's a hard profession to do mm. because of that. You spend so much time and you're like, I have no idea if it's any good. I know. So, but I think your stuff's great. And I have been assured by experts that your Thank stuff you. is amazing. Well, so. you know, I did want to say that last year I entered into the SPF Foundation Scholarship, which is um, Mark Dawson, the Uber self publishing author. It's his foundation. Um, and I was one of the nine winners this year, which is exciting. Awesome. Yeah, I know. It's pretty exciting. Um, so I'm, I'm also sponsored by Readsy, which is fabulous. So yeah. So that was really good validation. I think that part of the email said, I kind of like looked at it on my way to sleep. I'm like this, like going elegant, ele elegant prose. What does that even mean? I'm like, yeah. I was like, Elegant prose. I want to almost like get a tattoo that says elegant prose. So <laughs> I'm just so like, what's, still... so what's Readsy? Readsy is an author platform for getting, finding editing. Um, there's a lot of courses, free courses. There's a lot of free um, help for authors there. And you oh, can, neat. of course, yeah, you can also then find getting get quotes formed from different editors book cover people translation and uh, marketing publicity it's it's pretty fabulous it's uh, r-e-e-d-s-y.com and of course spf spf 101 and um, he has, has a 
a suite of courses for self-published authors. That is awesome. Yeah. And he has, uh, I think Mark Dawson has so many things also that are free for people that want to just start writing and they're not sure and they don't want to necessarily go the agent route or they want to go the agent route later on. But it's, yeah, because it does seem very intimidating when you're on the outside looking in. And, uh, but to forcibly transition to a fun question, please, what is your weirdest or funniest fan interaction? Um, I really haven't had one yet, but I would love to maybe find that out at Dragon Con in 2022. So I think I need to talk to you. Come on up. I'm not the person to talk to, but you know how to apply. So we can totally arrange it once you get there. (laughs) Yeah. So they should just come on up. Yeah. I think I'll get in. If not, I'll just be walking around at the panels. But um, if someone sees me, come on up. You know, you and I can be hanging out at the bar. Oh, of course. Yes. Just make sure you get a babysitter. They found that babies at bars. Yeah. What? I I don't even take my kid to Dragon Con. He he can come when he's 18. Fair, fair. So, all right. So this is the other part is if you uh, want to give her that interaction where you could be the weirdo that talks to her and makes her have something to tell everyone else, just follow her newsletter and engage because, you know, everyone likes to talk to their readers. That's a great way of doing it. Yeah. And so that the fans have time to recover from that awkward moment of yours. We're going to cut to a commercial and so they can recover and we will be back. A single blip on her instrument panel brings Boss to a halt. Alone on her spaceship in a remote quadrant, she drops below light speed and listens. Hearing a blip like that makes her heart pound. It means a faint energy signature from an unknown source somewhere nearby, most likely a ship. Boss specializes in abandoned ships. She dives them for salvage, but this is like nothing she's ever seen, probably because she knows it can't be there. All of her knowledge of history, physics, and space wrecks says it's impossible, but if it's what she thinks, it could hold the key to a tremendous technological advance, one that no one in the universe should have. Called Page Turning Space Adventure by Publishers Weekly, Diving into the Wreck by Christine Catherine Rush is classic science fiction at its most gripping. Find all seven novels in the award-winning diving series at divingintotherec.com. Okay, we are back, and hopefully JR has exited his foot from his mouth now. I, I see nothing wrong uh, with, with what I said. You say oh, weird like please. it's a pejorative. I, I know lots of the best people are weirdos, so... I, no, it, it was the forcible interact segue to the uh, the the email list, which is fine. That's but great. Jared's right. Come to my mailing list. Yes, hang out. See, Doc, you just don't understand because nobody wants to read your emails. Nobody <gasps> reads. Really? I, I have very creative grammar. I've been told this. <laughs> I've been told it might qualify for its own language, particularly. That would be cool. <laughs> Uh, we got to talk offline and come up with a name for this new language. I'm down. So, Please right, this is where we all right. So, this is where we talk about everything Miss Isabel Hardesty has written. Can you give us the Reader's Digest version of your body of works? Oh, yes. Um, first is Jade's Awakening, and that is a novella. It's book one in the series, the Delacorte Shapeshifter series. And um, then it's Jade's Descent, where she discovers that she has, Jade discovers that she has more family than she thought. Then it wraps up with Jade's paradox where she discovers, well, she actually is forced to dethrone the fairy queen 
And it's not that easy because she's half shifter and, you know, chaos ensues. But uh, she also has to save the world. So she does it. As you do. Then, you before so, breakfast. Yeah, you know, it's what we do, right? So it's Jade's Awakening, Jade's Descent, Jade's Paradox. And then there's The Witch of Belle Fleur, which is book one in the um, Destroyer Witch series. And that's book one. And this next one, which is available for pre-order on Amazon and Kobo, is Midnight and Belle Fleur. I love right. that title. Thank so you. Sounds like an amazing book. Those all sound fascinating, but we're going to talk about The Witch of Belle Fleur. Tella yes. Nueva, actress turned witch dash bruja. Uh, yes. The first novel in the Destroyer Witch Chronicle series. So where did you come up with the... That's a long title, by the way, but I wanted to get I, it all yeah. out there. Uh, so where did you come up with the premise for this universe? Uh, where did you get the idea? Was it psychedelics, Ouija board, too much mountain air? Um, well, I just finished watching The 4400, which I loved. And um, I remember writing in my notes saying, Science, you know, all the other, all the bells and whistles, those things don't matter. It's about the relationships. I remember writing that. So I started it off with a teen, a young teen, Afro-Latina teen in the swamps and just feeling very empowered. And then I, um, so I, that's, I, well, I wanted to keep it starting off in the swamps. And, and that's what I did with that. Um, but I really see this one day being on on, on screen somehow. So um, I did enter it into a screen craft competition for a cinematic book and it became a quarter finalist, I think in uh, January, wow. which is pretty awesome. Congratulations and it's on the red list, yay. So, um, but yeah, um, inspired by nature, um, my experience growing up in South Florida and all of the culture there. Okay. All right, so before we dig in, dear listeners and viewers, if you're listening, you should hop on over to the YouTube and check out this glorious cover. So uh, where did you come up with the image or the idea, the idea, the concept that became this book cover? Um, it's a long and funny story. I was listening to, um, I guess, Elmo, some music for my son. And Elmo did a read, like a take on this song by Los Lobos, I believe, Kiko Under the Lavender Moon. And it was Elmo Under the whatever, the... Elmo under the lavender moon. I found the original and then I found the YouTube video and I guess it just like mesmerized me. It was so, so uh, creative, creative. It just like filled a part of my soul that I needed because I had a cover and it wasn't working and I knew something was going to come to me. So once I saw that video on YouTube, I just did the palm trees. I am, um, I added some stuff to it, but the, um, I did have an, a book, cover artist helped me with the font and some of the design, but, um, some, so it's kind of a teamwork. Um, but I needed, I, I knew that it wasn't ready until I saw that, that video. I, I think it's an amazing cover. Thank you. So, um, can you tell us a bit about the book? Like what would the 32nd elevator pitch for this series, this book be? Um, so <laughs> being, a teenage witch is harder, is, is really hard, but being a teenage witch were, and being a telenovela actress is even harder, especially when your aunt's dying. So Juliet is faced with saving her aunt, dealing with her feelings that she has for a best friend, and then discovering that she's a witch. That's a lot to deal with, particularly yeah. in, is, it, is he a teenager? Yeah, just a recent high school grad. So yeah, that's a, that's like a 
that's a really crazy time for anybody. But then you've added in all this extra stuff. I know. You know, so, I, I really got to wonder, how do you think she'd react if she met you? I <laughs> think she like, would. Um, I know you. And you're yeah, I think she'd love. I think she'd like me. She does know how to kick butt because she's got amazing fight scenes. But I think she she'd like me. I think she'd really like me. Well, that's oh, the stuff I put her through is kind of bad, but I I kind of spread it around with other people too. And it's not all her though. Oh, so it's not like well, my world's just like imploding, and everybody else has a happy ending. So I know other people have some stuff that's happening. Some other stuff that's hitting the fan for sure. <laughs> that that takes a lot of character maturity to look at it and go, yeah, I had a really crappy time of this, but so did other people too. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully she can see it that way. And I think she can. So that is awesome. Uh, JR loves to talk about the subgenres and he loves to make yes. me do it. It's like the one thing I, yeah, I'm going to make him eat pineapple pizza one day because of uh -huh. this. I actually, uh-huh. What would you Sorry. say is like, like, what is it that makes this really special and what subgenres it would fit into? Um, I love that it's super awkward and I love that there's lots of comedy in it. So it's not, <laughs> it's not, um, it's not something where you're just like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? And it's not just heart pounding excitement. There are moments of laughter. There's moments that as you're reading it, you're like, oh, I've been there. I've, I can understand that moment. Um, in the first few scenes, um, Victor, I think, picks up his shirt to like do something. And she's just like, oh, are you working out? And it's just like super awkward. And um, she doesn't, she's not as poised and polished as she wants to be, even though she's an actress. Someone might think that she's got it all together, but she's she's just an awkward teen making the, me the best of what she's dealt with. So there's lots of humor. Mm -hmm. Um, so probably magic think, realism too, and action, action and adventure, definitely not just fantasy. Do you think that the young woman coming of age aspect of the story is what makes your special and makes it stand out? I think so. And, um, the fact that she's a strong person, but she's also vulnerable as well. Well, in, in her awkwardness. She's got that interesting background, too, that you don't really see. You don't see a lot of actresses as main characters in novels to begin with. Yeah. But telenovelas are a very specific kind yeah, of Yeah, definitely. She's in South Florida, so it's easy for her to just hop on um, US1 and go to uh, Miami for the studio. So that's what she does. And um, she does it, but in the first scene, she's like, walking behind Victor and she's like taking off her fake eyelashes kind of like that from from yesterday's um, makeup time at, at the studio so she's in it but she's not like totally of it yeah yeah all right doc you get to ask your favorite um second favorite whatever question after fandom so the tropolicious one where you make up words oh, tropolicious is a real world word it's been published get over it jr so what tropes did you come up with and use for this or just kind of twist it around? Um, I do have a little bit of a love triangle, but it's totally, it's, it's like a teasing love triangle. Um, but stuff will probably happen in um, book two. We'll see. And <laughs> coming of age, of course, um, evil, obnoxious, mother of the, the guy that you like that's pretty fun um 
So Migdalia is an awesome character that is Victor's mom and she's super intimidating. Um, also like the, uh, the trope of the orphan, fantasy orphan, we've got that going, but the twist is that Alma is her, her aunt and she's a former actress, but now works, runs a diner. So it's pretty interesting also because I don't want to say too much, but um, there's a mentor, mentor witch that helps Juliet and um, he comes into the picture and fun stuff happens. Awesome. So is the witchcraft angle in this universe something where everyone knows about magic or is it like modern world where everyone's like, sure, right, magic? Um, not everybody. So yeah, some of the people know about it. The witches know about it, but nobody else knows about it. They're oblivious. Okay. Yeah. So since we're talking about the story, uh, what else, did, other than what you said, was there anything that you could add about the main character to sort of elaborate who she is? Or you think you've already given the feel without spoilers? Um, I think that she's she's tough and she's half healer witch and half destroyer witch. She's not fully destroyer witch. And she's discovering who she is, yet she's scared of who she is too, so... Okay, so that is who your main character is. What about uh, secondary characters? Do you have any that are especially memorable for you? And if, if so, could you tell us about them? Um, I love Migdalia. I loved writing about Migdalia, and she is Victor's mother. She is um, poised, polished, has lots of jewelry, smells like Coconut Chanel number no. five, and she's trying to protect her son so much that she'll um, she's actually making choices that are not to his benefit. Or to the so benefit, what, possibly, of the town. So what made you pick that particular smell? That's a very distinct, unique thing that you picked. Um, because it's perf it's because it's French and it's expensive. All right. That's good <laughs> Something reading. that's like high powered and and very classic, not like a newer scent. Okay. All right, Doc. Next one is you. Don't mess it up. No I pressure. don't mess anything up, JR. Stop stop projecting your issues. So <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any uh, bad guys in this story that wouldn't be a spoiler to tell us about? Um, no, I do have Thane, who um, is, his face is falling apart pretty much. Like, he's, like, sinewy. Uh, he's terrible. Um, he wants to reclaim Bellefleur and is looking for a host body, which is not necessarily good for the young guys in town. So they have to basically, yeah, he's looking for a host body. Um, and he also wants Juliet's soul. So Thane is an ancient and evil witch. So once Juliet um, goes into the swamps with Victor, I don't want to say too much, but um, she says yes to being a lead witch in her town, Bellefleur, magic returns to the town. So both good and evil magic return to the town. So this is what he wanted. He makes sure she helps. She, he's kind of like making sure this happens because he wants his, magic back and so he can take over so with with him looking to take a body did you at least make one invasion of the body snatchers joke in there because that's just right <laughs> for those references right no i don't know maybe you'll have to find out ah it looks like well, gonna have to practice his reading skills <laughs> well you never know she might have an audiobook coming out do you have an audiobook coming out i'm working on one later this year Okay. See? Then you can just have stories whispered into your ear, which sounds a little creepy now that I think. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to go there, but I was just going to make jokes about kindergarten and school circles. But I mean, sure, 
creepy works too, I guess, Doc. Um, are you going to um, take the Katie Cross route and narrate your own? Or are you going to go? I a, think a, I will. Like, actually, I have a Blue Yeti behind me. So I'm, I've got a lot of the equipment, so I can just start. Cool. That, that sounds is, uh, intimidating. And I don't have the voice for it, but I think you could pull oh. it off. So. Oh, thank you. I just need to focus. So uh, I, I don't know. Borrow whatever magic juice Katie Cross uses. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do what she does. So, she's a superhero. I know. She's not human, I swear. Um, <laughs> so JR, once again, loves to make me ask questions like this. But that's okay because he's going to eat pineapple on pizza when I see him next. So what is your favorite archetype of a character? Um, I like the kick butt strong female lead. That's what makes me happy. So Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica loved her. That's was you know yeah. I mean, how could I not? Yeah. Um. So yeah, when I was writing this character, I wanted her to be vulnerable. I made sure there are moments when I think one of the other young men says, uh, Alec says to. Or Victor says to Alec, yeah, she doesn't need your help. So I never wanted her to be the damsel in distress. And um, I just wanted her to be a strong, kick-ass kick, kick -ass girl. Learning, though, and being vulnerable, that's what I really wanted to do. And I think I did a good job making it happen. It's funny that you say that because when, when I talk about books and sometimes they make changes where it feels like they're just checking boxes, we want diversity. So I insert random gender or minority character and yeah. it doesn't feel like it serves the plot and it just feels cheap. Like I right. would much rather people write an interesting character to fill than right. just fill. With Starbucks, she's the example of doing it right because when they yeah. changed him to her and they gave that love angle to the dead son that was yeah. always dead in the previous, it made all of the familial interactions that they had in the original I, series. When they I agree. That, it was so much more poignant because you could see like, who hasn't, you know, cut a little corner for someone they were um, mm -hmm. serious about. And then to have yeah. that come up where she cut the corners for him and he ended up dying. Mm -hmm. Like, like that added so yeah. much more to the gravitas to that character. That's right. how you do it right. Yeah, I agree. And, it was well I, done. God, I keep messing with things and hitting buttons. Um, <laughs> We gave her admin power and she's just going crazy with the buttons, I think. It was We're too dancing. Much yeah. <laughs> it was too much for her head. She, she's let it go to her head. <laughs> um, so finally, what can you tell us about the universe uh, where this story happens? In many series, this, the universe, the world where the story takes place is as much of a character as the protagonist and antagonist. So what can you tell us? Uh, obviously, it's Earth. Obviously, yes, it's, it's modern-ish days, mm -hmm. and yeah. there is magic, but most people don't know about it. Other than right. that, it's pretty much contemporary. It's contemporary. It's set in Belfleur, which is a fic fictional town in South Florida. It's a swamp town, kind of um, west, like southwest, but in a western, closer to the Everglades, um, about 45 minutes from Miami. So... Um, it's a quiet town that was kind of known as a, a magic a city of magic years ago. And um, now she has a chance to bring magic back to Belfleur and oh boy, does she. So what, obviously you made up a fictional town because then nobody yeah. can say, no, that's not where that building is located. Right. It's three right. blocks over. But if you're doing that, then you obviously had something that was sort of your inspiration model that you use so you can draw on roadmaps and stuff. Um, so what, mm -hmm. I was to say, so what was the inspiration for Belfleur? 
Um, Miami was the inspiration and also the Everglades. Um, and just like the quiet pace of a smaller town. I, mm -hmm. I like the quieter pace. I thought that worked for um, a lot of the scenes um, as opposed to making it in Miami. I wanted, she will end up in Miami later on in the series, but not yet. Okay. I wanted to have, and I wanted to have the contrast between her going to the chaos of the studio as a telenovela actress and then going back to Belle Fleur. Okay. So when you, when you used Belle Fleur, you made the city up, did you actually sketch out like floor plan or not floor plans, like roadmaps? So you kind of knew the layout of the land or you just wing it when you write? Um, I kind of have an, a visual, I'm an artist, visual artist as well. So I have a visual map in my head. And um, I kind of know what's going on. I did make a couple of extra streets up, um, but I know where the town is. I know there's Main Street. I know that there's a road that connects to US-1 and that's where Miami is. So I do have a good sense of the town and I have a layout of the, the hospital and the, the um, neighborhood. There's a scene where she's walking around partially blind and she has to cross, I think, some train tracks and she finds like this palm this is a grove of palm trees and she just kind of hangs out. Then she goes and finds Fontaine Manor, which is her family's old home. So yeah, I had everything pretty much mapped out in my head, but maybe one day I make a map. That is cool. There are some pretty amazing programs. Uh, CC3, Campaign Cartographer 3 is a good one. Um, as far as mapping, you can do a lot of great things, but you have to be more computer savvy than me to use it. I tried, I failed, but it, it, <laughs> I I've that. seen the finished product and it, it's amazing. It's, it's cartographer quality, like industry standard. Wow. So, um, all right. So the witch of Belfour, the Telo Nueva actress turned witch is clearly part of a series. Uh, we know because you told us so, and it says so on Amazon, there are currently two books out in the series, but after that, is their story done? Where do you see this going? What's next for these characters? Um, then it's returned to Belfleur. So big magic, big power comes back to Belfleur and uh, stakes are high and Belfleur um, is in jeopardy and so is the world. So Juliet has to amass lots of help, including from some of her some of her enemies that she wrote off earlier in the series. Ooh, high stakes. Okay. Yeah. You don't make anything easy for her, do you? I don't. Sorry, Juliet. All right, so I, I get the feeling if they ever make this as a movie, the, the actress is going to be reading the script and she's going to look at you like, really? What the F, yo? <laughs> I think she's going to like it. I think she's going to like it. I think it's going to be, I think it's a beautiful story. Um, and I made sure to really focus on the relationships of the characters um, because that's what everything's about, really. You know, I love the magic. I love the sci-fi. But it's like when we were talking about Captain Sisko, bring it back to that, it's about that thing that he has and his communication, he's talking to another actor, you know, the actor's just going, oh my gosh, I'm in this scene with Avery Brooks, I'm about to faint. You know, that's happening. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So we know that every literary universe has their own internally consistent rules of science, technology, and magic, but uh, this sounds like it's more magic driven. So what can we expect from the magic in this universe? This, the magic is divided into healer and destroyer powers. And the magic is um, strong and it's sometimes unpredictable. So uh, in Midnight and Belle Fleur, things happen where the jewel that's embedded in her hand without spoiler, sorry, um, gets taken out in chapter one. So she's gonna have to find and develop and get in touch with her uh, latent powers 
Okay. So if I was better with the editing software, I would have her continue talking. I would put like a little black blurb over her mouth with redacted and like just mute her for a second. So it would sound like a cool effect, but I'm not that good with tech people. So you're going to have to hear me tell you what I might've done if I was good at this stuff. <laughs> so of, so it's a very high mad. It's magic, not really tech that you've done, but how, what magic would you want out of this universe? Oh, um, Oh, at, uh, there's a scene where Renner, who is um, her mentor, he uh, someone's someone's uh, saying that she didn't do something, and he's actually he just takes his hand and makes a ball showing what she just did, like kind of capturing a moment and being able to show something. So that'd be kind of be cool that I didn't have to I wouldn't have to carry a phone anymore, and I could just look at fun things. Um, also, maybe being able to like um, I don't know take down a wall if you're renovating a house by just putting my hand up and just blasting a wall down. That could be fun. This way you can yeah. just like renovate easier. <laughs> so how would you abuse that in your world? Abuse it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd go somewhere that was being demolished and I would just, yeah, I would just, yeah. They'd have to say Isabel and we're done. Yeah. They probably have to say we're good. We're good. We've got a demo team here. And I'd be like, but it's fun. <laughs> you would never wait in line again. Everyone would just sort of make a path. Right. Like a mega hole. We don't want it to to blow us up. Right. Now that I think about it, that would be kind of nice. Waiting in line stinks. <laughs> Doc, make this happen for me. Give me this magical ability. Waiting in line does stink. That's why I have an allergy to it. <laughs> no, All right. I don't like you that much. <laughs> so do you have any magical creatures in your universe or is it just um, the witches at the end? Oh, well, there's one, but I uh, can't go into it too much, but cause it's okay. Maybe a spoiler. Can we but yeah, there's a magical creature that, so, um, did you threatens let, the town. sorry. Did you let folklore influence you or biology or science or just did a little know, bit of folklore visions? I just did a little bit of folklore, but a lot of it's just um, just kind of immersing myself in the South Florida feeling, and uh, yeah, yeah, the swampiness, the humidity. Yeah, so you talked about adding the uh, folklore for the for the fantastical creatures, but you mentioned that you also love sci-fi because you're a Star Trek fan. So, if you were yeah. writing a sci-fi story, how would you go about? Do you think designing aliens? This is just more you know, getting into the creative process more than anything. So do you think you would let your, your dreams inspire you, actual existing creatures? What do you think you would do? I'd probably use my dreams and some existing creatures, but um, I would just probably also just uh, play with some of that stuff and see, just, I don't know, I'd want some tubes and see how it just, I don't know, I just want to like hands-on too, just creatively, just see what happens. Okay. It's always fun to get inside how people, you know, sort of think. And, mm. and sometimes they give themselves away with their age. Like the the ones that are from a certain era, they're like, oh, I'd get the D&D monster manual and roll a dice and <laughs> see what comes up. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's one way to do it. <laughs> which which is a shortcut for saying you're using um, um, fantastical folklore creatures because that's where most right. of them come from. I don't know, right. but I, I think I'd have fun with it. I love a lot of the clothing too. So um amazing some of the wardrobe it's fabulous and the cool thing is when you're writing about it instead of putting it on a screen you don't have to get stuck with the forehead ridge of the week like star trek did i know yeah you could, you could do all kinds of crazy things or the odd splotch of like skin color discoloration here or there right right um doc 
You can say it. You don't have to hold it in. What? What? Leave Jadzia alone. I know. We love Jadzia. Okay. All right. I'm just I'm saying that when you're right. knocking on Jadzia. I'm just saying that when you don't shush, have the limitations shush, of a... Shush and continue on with the show. Quit while you're ahead. <laughs> See, I don't know. Doc, I think I'm going to have to fire you and find a new co-host. What are you doing every Tuesday or Thursday when we record, Isabel? Oh, you got a four-year-old. No, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, so clearly this interview is winding down, but before we wrap this up, was there anything about the Witch of Belfleur uh, that you wanted to tell us or about the Destroyer Witch Chronicles before we before we move on? Um, well, I didn't mind to entertain, delight, and to just bring magic into our lives a bit more. So I hope you find find it and enjoy it. That is an excellent answer. Doc approves. She's nodding along, or that could just be the wine finally hitting her. It could go either way. Um, this is the no, I agree with her. Is that that's those are always the best stories? Thank you, Doc. I, I read to escape, so I like it when they just have fun as the objective. Yeah, I mean, if, I you think wanna, so. if you want to slip some life lesson in there, fine, just don't beat me over the head with it. I hear you. I, I like the escapism. So before we let you go, dear listener, we'd like to harken back to our original podcasting days and we'll remind you that uh, please be kind, rewind. Yeah. No, it's review books on the reviewing platforms of your Yay. choice, and ideally of all of them. So please be kind Yay. and rewind it. Blockbuster was what inspired this, but please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. It helps the right readers find the right books. Uh, and if you uh, go to wherever you buy the book, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, any of the places, leave a review there. If you can't leave a review there because you read it at the library, start a blog and review it there and then review everything else because when an author gets their 100th uh, book review, their 100th five-star review, they get a unicorn. And you don't want to deprive her of a unicorn. She's got a four-year-old that wants to ride a pony. I know. Yeah. <sighs> Unicorns are awesome. Thank I you so know, much, JR. Doc. I just want to know how they taste. Like, you know, would you, would you, you know, look. <laughs> To, oh, I'm gonna get all the hate mail. Okay. Send hate mail to Doc. Anyway, shh, shh. let's see. Wait, wait. Can I do this? Can I do this? Here's... Oh, wonderful! So, can you tell our listeners where to find you when Jr. figures out how to unmute his microphone? You can find me at IsabelHardesty.com. Isabel E L L E, French spelling, and Hardesty H A R D E S T Y dot com. Yay! I never should have given her the admin power. She's fired people. Fired, I say. I'm going to dock your pay. You know what? You get half pay this week. Um, so it's true, Doc. You, half of zero. You're going you're gonna to lose a lot. So uh, you can. Fine. My wife will pay me in booze. That's always good. So you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show you can email the show at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com again that is blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com siska is dancing in the background so you get the attention and read it on the screen uh you can join us where the shenanigans happen on facebook at the blasters and blades facebook group facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast don't blame me people this is my fifth cup of coffee Blasters uh, and Blades Facebook group, which is facebook.com backslash groups backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. You can follow, stop dancing, doc, on our website at anchor.fm backslash 
blasters dash and dash blades again anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades where you could support us for as little as 99 cents a month and help keep the lights on or you could support the show at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley again buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast and i promise i I will keep my co-hosts, Doc Seska and Nick Garber, duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. Never surrender. And before before we uh, let Doc bring us home, we have to ask you the most important question. How do you feel about pineapple on pizza? Oh, it's pretty cool, I guess, you know. See? Yeah, I've had it before. No wonder you brought her on, Doc. (laughs) I brought her on because she's amazing. Thank you. You're amazing, too. I guess we can end the show. Heresy. So thank you for spending some of our precious time. Don't make me mute you thank again, JR. You, Doc. Thank you, JR. <laughs> you guys are both amazing. Thanks for having me so much. It's been so thank fabulous. You. And to our listeners, thank you for spending time. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place, something like that. I don't know if we have a same place in the internet. Um, but uh, enjoy. We'll indulge our love of cheesy culture, nerd, cheesy geeky, whatever culture, and torturing JR, of course. Because as JR learned tonight, pineapple does go on pizza.